Worlds of Today on Broadway for Monday, April 16th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. And I'm on my way to a BFA's Natalie Nowak. Couple things in your feeds over the weekend. First, Jan Simpson's Stagecraft interviewed Lindsay Ferrantino, the playwright behind This Flat Earth and Amy and the Orphans. Um, Amy and the Orphans just wrapped up about a month ago at RTC, and I think This Flat Earth is still running off Broadway. So, really good conversation. Anytime Jan talks to a super intelligent playwright, so listen to that. And I'm assuming that there's going to be this week on Broadway in your feeds. We're recording before that. So knock on wood that nothing bad happens and uh, the audio gets lost. But that should be in there as well, James. (laughs) Yes, uh, this week on Broadway, uh, we are recording in a few hours. So uh, we should, uh, that should predate what you're listening to right now. Should. It's all, time is a flat circle as we've uh, established. Things are very confusing. But... Before we get into our episode, I promised last week that I would let people know if anything dramatic happened in terms of carousel reviews. And while this isn't out of the realm of understandability based off of the polarized narrative from last week, but the New York Times' Ben Brantley made the show a critic's pick, saying, quote, the tragic inevitability of carousel has seldom come across as warmly or as chillingly as it does in this vividly reimagined revival. As directed by Jack O'Brien and choreographed by Justin Peck, with thoughtful and powerful performances by Mr. Henry and Miss Mueller, the love story at the show's center has never seemed quite as ill-starred or, at the same time, as sexy. Now, James, I had multiple text messages from you yesterday while you were seeing the show. I don't think that this lines up with how you thought about Carousel. The thoughtful and powerful performances of Mr. Henry and Miss Mueller definitely are there everything yes. else I, I, <laughs> I, I wasn't quite on the same page as mr o'brien or mr peck yeah and i'm sure that will be a large discussion on the yet to be recorded this week on broadway but something else interesting happened while you were at carousel over the weekend and we don't need to get into a ton of details but just in a real quick snippet i know um elizabeth Vincitelli tweeted about it yesterday but do you want to tell people what happened at the performance at the matinee you saw on saturday well uh at the top of the show right before the if i loved you bench scene um all of a sudden we heard a voice come over the god mic that says we had to stop for medical emergency in the house and uh all the actors stood up and walked off a stage and they stopped the performance for about 10 minutes or so to sort out what was happening in the house. I couldn't really figure out what was happening, but um, there was some sort of medical emergency, and then the, sta- then the show resumed. And then in the second act, um, do- right after Billy's suicide, spoiler alert. I know, I was going to say spoiler alert, James. (laughs) Right after Billy's suicide and Julie is is tending to Billy, uh, I was in the center of the orchestra, about the fourth row, fifth row, and in back of us, about ten rows or so, you heard somebody somebody was in distress, and then people started yelling, and... They had to stop the performance again. I mean, in all these years of going to Broadway, I've never been in a a house where performances stopped twice. And the audience and the cast um, handled it great. 
Um, and I believe that the two people who were in medical distress uh, seem to be okay. Um, I, I don't absolutely know that, but it, it seemed really like they were. Um, and um, I think the the ghost of Agnes DeMille was in the house. <laughs> anyway, well, she's got credit now. Yeah, she's got credit now, so she should be okay. <laughs> uh, you saw the show. Would she be okay? Moving on. Okay. First up in the news, <laughs> Off-Broadway is going to get more chill this summer. Yes, this news took theater social media by quite a surprise on Friday it was, as it was announced that Joe Iconis' cult favorite musical, Be More Chill, will receive its off-Broadway debut during a limited nine-week run beginning on July 26th. The, everybody's favorite millennial theater historian, Jen Tepper, is going to be one of the lead producers, and she was quite ecstatic uh, when this announcement came out and pretty much ever since. The show, which had a world premiere at the Two River Theater in New Jersey in 2015, will retain much of the cast and creative team from that production when it sets up shop at the Pershing Square Signature Center. Stephen Brackett directs and Chase Brock choreographs, and the company will include returning cast members George Salazar, Gerard Cananico, Catelyn Carlson, Stephanie Husey, and Lauren Marcus. And joining the cast will be Iconis family member Jason Sweet Tooth Williams and Dear Evan Hansen favorite Will Rowland. Now, in related news, later on Friday, we learned that obviously Roland will be leaving Dear Evan Hansen. He will be uh, re- uh, playing his final performance as Jared Kleinman on June 10th. No replacement has yet been announced, but in that same press release, we also found out that Tony nominee Mike Feist will play his last performance as Connor Murphy on Sunday, May 13th, and that he will be replaced by Spring Awakening star Alex Boniello. Now, Natalie, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Because because Be More Chill has become a very popular show with the Utes, which you are one of. It's based on mm-hmm. a YA novel. So Up at the Heart School, is is this a show that people are talking about, not just for this off-Broadway thing, but is it a show that people are interested in or performing songs from? I know the song Michael in the Bathroom has become an anthem of sorts for people of a certain age. Yeah, actually, there's not much talk about it at heart, and I haven't heard any songs from it performed and from people in my vocal studios, so it doesn't seem to be too popular with us, but that might just be us. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's wonderful, but I haven't heard much about it. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, this is one that it, I think it might even skew a little younger. I think probably more in the high school range seems to be the target demographic for this. This is something that Let's just say the fandom for this is quite um, vocal and ecstatic, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of stage door experiences people have over at the Signature Center over the summer, because this is a uh, a very, very vocal and intense fan base. So we'll see what happens. It's great to see Joe Iconis, uh, you know getting another yeah. production going here uh be more chill they they have not given up on it their faith in it has shown to be that uh keep never never ever ever give up is that the thing yeah <laughs> all right uh next up in the news broadway con is moving up to midtown for 2019 yes for the past two years the annual theater convention has been held at the massive javits center 
But for the fourth incarnation, the fun will move back to the place where it all began, the Hilton Midtown on 6th Avenue between 53rd and 54th Streets. Broadway Con will hold events also around the corner at the Ziegfeld Ballroom on 54th. Broadway Con 2019 will run from January 11th through the 13th, and tickets will go on sale on April 27th. Now, previous attendees will have a couple days of pre-sale access beginning on April 25th. Melissa Anelli, one of the co-creators of Broadway Con, said, quote, We feel it's very important to have Broadway Con in the heart of the city and the theater district itself. With the space we have secured this year, we can celebrate the Broadway industry we love in grander and more creative ways than ever. Also confirmed, Broadway Con Industry Day will return for a second year. It will kick off the festivities on January 11th. Now, James, I believe you said that you've hosted conventions at both the Javits Center and Hilton Midtown. What now, obviously, like I said, that the first Broadway Con was at this hotel. um, But for people who maybe have only seen it at the Javits Center because the first year was interrupted by a blizzard, what can people expect between the differences between these two venues? It's much easier to get around uh, the Hilton than it is the Javits Center. The Javits Center is enormous. And uh, and moving between the rooms and things like that, and also getting to and from the Javits Center, which is way over on the west side of New York, um, mm-hmm. in an area that's more industrial than it is accessible, uh, even though the, the extension of the 7 train has gone to Javits uh, I think that going back to the Hilton is a great thing. It's a more intimate space. It's easier to get in and around. You have a lot more opportunities to get to and from a Broadway show very quickly than it is uh, from the Javits. So I think this is a, a really good thing for anybody who is going to attend Broadway Con. So you're telling me I'm going to have to come up for this one now that it's not mm-hmm. as much of a difficult nightmare to get to? I'm pretty sure Broadway Con will pay you not to come because you bring snow wherever you go. That's true. Sorry about that. I'm coming up in I'm look, I'm coming up to New York in June. If I bring snow, I promise I will never come back to New York. Oh, June will be busting out all over. <laughs> all right. What's in the recommended reading? Yeah, on Saturday, the New York Times' Michael Paulson reported that Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is officially the most expensive non-musical ever to come to Broadway. With a price tag of $68.5 million, the show includes – it's a lot of money um, – includes $35.5 million in capitalization and another $33 million to gut and renovate the Lyric Theater. While that is a monstrous number for any show, let alone a play, the show has already had the best box office week in Broadway history for a straight play, grossing over $2.1 million. However, the capitalization is not the only investment required to get the show on Broadway. According to a source, Paulson reports that the Lyric's owners, the Ambassador Theater Group, spent $23 million to persuade James's favorite show, Cirque du Soleil's Paramore, to close <laughs> early, allowing ATG to officially court Harry Potter away from two other theater owners. ATG overhauled the lyric in order to make it feel more like an old-fashioned opera house, vaulting the ceiling, adding boxes, and reducing capacity by 274 seats. Most notably for fans who haven't yet seen the show, though, the main entrance to the theater was relocated from where it had always been on 42nd Street to the much less congested 43rd Street. Paulson goes into more detail about the show's producing and has some gorgeous pictures of what the theater looks like now in the article. So we will have a link to that in the show notes if you want to check it out. But it's a, a really interesting read behind the curtain, so to speak. 
And then the other article from our friend Mark Hirschberg from Forbes, um, on Saturday, he published something that dove into why you were able to get some pretty cheap tickets to see Frozen over the last few weeks. Essentially, when tickets went on sale, scalpers were hoping that the show would end up being the next Hamilton in terms of demand. However... That hasn't yet been the case. So over the past few months, the average resale ticket price has dropped almost 90 bucks. So rather than taking even more risk and potentially not selling the tickets at all, scalpers have recently decided to start taking losses on tickets and dropping the prices down to around $60. Now, Hertzberg rightly says that the, that the reduction in price on sites like StubHub and SeatGeek don't directly impact the production because those tickets were already purchased at full price. That is, to me, somewhat of a barometer for interest. So, James and Natalie, I, I wonder if the $2.28 million grosses we saw from Frozen last week might have been a little artificially inflated, leading to them eventually coming down a bit after the scalper's inventory is eventually exhausted. All right, Natalie, tell us what's up in this week's theatrical schedule. All right. Well, first up, Tina, the Tina Turner musical, will open on Tuesday in London at the Aldwych Theatre. This new musical, presented in association with Tina Turner herself, reveals the untold story of a woman who dared to defy the bounds of her age, gender, and race. Tony nominee Adrian Warren will take on the role of Tina. New York Theatre Workshop's off-Broadway revival, Light Shining in Buckinghamshire, is opening on Wednesday. In 1674 England, power is shifting, and amid the chaos and confusion, revolutionaries across the country are dreaming of a new future. Rachel Chavkin directs this show and is well known for her recent work on Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. Light Shining in Buckinghamshire will run through May 27th. The Lincoln Center Theater's Broadway revival of My Fair Lady opens on Thursday. This production is directed by Tony Award winner Bartlett Chair. Lauren Ambrose will take on the role of Eliza Doolittle with Harry Haddon Patton as Henry Higgins. Also featured in this production is Tony winner Norbert Leo Butts, Tony winner Diana Rigg, and many more. Mood Music begins previews in London at the Old Vic Theatre on Saturday. In a top London recording studio, Kat, a young songwriter, her producer Bernard, their lawyers and psychotherapists go to battle over who owns a hit song. Kat and Bernard inflict a devastating toll on each other in a war that only one of them can win. Mood Music will officially open on May 2nd. The original Broadway production Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, as we just discussed as the most expensive play on Broadway, is opening on Sunday at the Lyric Theater. Harry Potter, portrayed by Jamie Parker, is now an overworked employee of the Ministry of Magic, a husband and a father of three school-aged children. While Harry grapples with the past, his youngest son, Albus, portrayed by Sam Clement, struggles with the weight of a family legacy he never wanted. As past and present fuse, both father and son learn that sometimes darkness can come from unexpected places. Now I'm moving on to this week's closings. Target Margin Theater's Pay No Attention to the Girl will close on Saturday. Roundabout Theater Company's Amy and the Orphans will close on Sunday. 59 East 59 Theater's The Edge of Our Bodies will close on Sunday. Lastly, Bedlam's off-Broadway production of Pygmalion will close on Sunday. And that is all for this week's schedule. Okay, Matt, what did we miss today? Alrighty, in other news, here are some headlines that didn't make it into the main part of the show, but we wanted to ensure that you were aware of. First up, Second Stage has announced a dozen new cast members for the upcoming New York premiere of Tracy Letts' Mary Page Marlowe. Joining Tatiana Maslany and Bear Blair Brown will be stage and screen star Grace Gummer, Kelly Overbay, Brian Kerwin, Gary Wilms, and more. Directed by Lila Nugabauer, the show will begin performances on June 19th, and if I don't get to see this show, I will cry myself to sleep for a year. Next... <laughs> 
Last week, the Signature Theater announced that it had extended Dominique Moriso's Paradise Blue, directed by Ruben Santiago Hudson, and the show will now play through June 10th. On Friday, the Roundabout Theater Company announced that its fourth annual Casino Night will take place on May 7th at the American Airlines Theater, hosted by RTC alum, Academy Award nominee, and World Series of Poker bracelet winner Jennifer Tilly. Her longtime boyfriend and poker superstar Phil the Unabomber Locke, Leah Delaria, Santino Fontana, Mark Kudish, Leslie Margarita, Laura Osnes, Crystal Rodriguez, and more will be on hand to chat and play different types of casino games. And finally, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS announced that the 28th annual Broadway Bears will take place on June 17th at the Hammerstein Ballroom. And the theme will be Broadway Bears Game Night, like board games. If you would like more information on any or all of these stories, please check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt, and subscribe to Something Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Natalie, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Natalie underscore Nowak. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for kicking off the week with us. Hey, Matt, what are you doing tonight? Uh, tonight, I'm actually going to be in Sunrise, Florida at the From Broadway with a Love concert benefiting uh, the Marjorie Stoneman uh, High School down there, all the, everyone down in Parkland. So I'll have some interviews uh, later this week or maybe next week from all of the press room stuff. So Julie will be pinch hitting for me on tomorrow's episode. Mm-hmm.